welcome to the Valve Bounce. I am Steve and this is Damo. Hello. And we're going to be discussing the Brazilian Grand Prix, Damo. Yes. Um, I think it was actually quite a cracking race. I thought so. Yeah, there was lots of negativity online, but um, I thought it was pretty good. I thought it was pretty good as well. Didn't mind it at all. Yes. Alright, so... Just to recap, uh, Supermax does it again. 17th win of the season. Supermax, uh, Supermax. Super <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they want to hear us singing. Um, Certainly uh, not with my husky voice either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you haven't noticed already, Dovo's battling a little cold, but we'll get through this. I'm, I'm there. I'm here. Ready <laughs> yeah. to go. Let's go. Strap five. Use it all. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly right. Strap five. Good old Alonso getting the job done. And uh, yeah, so another spectacular drive by Lando Norris. Yes. We had Oscar Piastri and Ricardo have a bit of a doozy. They got sort of hit in that start altercation. Oh, my God. Uh, and they lost the lap as a result, fixing the cars. But good job to both teams for getting that done. Yeah, um, Alonso's move on Perez for the final lap. Oh, if that's not, I mean, <laughs> you can't argue that DRS is a, is a really good thing for the sport, but that was just such a great... The last two laps were really good. So good. Really, really good. And uh, unfortunately, Leclerc suffered mm. what we don't actually know was first reported as a hydraulic failure. Yeah. Leclerc said it was an engine issue. And now it's apparently something in the background that actually shuts off the hydraulics and the engine at the same time. Yeah. It was, so something's going wrong. It was weird because, yeah, when they started saying it was the hydraulics, but then the rear's locked, so something has seized, some electrical, and they're so, so, like, very suspicious about it, like, trying to keep it very low-key. Yeah, very low-key. So something really happening in there. It really reminded there was an onboard shot, and you saw Leclerc go, oh, like this. It was like when you have your force feedback when you're virtual racing, and suddenly it just goes, ooh. Yeah, (laughs) just snapped. Really went wrong. And then, obviously, uh, two other things to mention, which are... Three into one doesn't go. Uh, young Magnussen and Hulkenberg and Albon altercation down into turn one. You need to leave me room. A yes. little bit. A little bit. And safety concerns around people jumping the fence when the track is still live. You might want to kick off the talking points, what we found, don't we? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think um, starting back on onto the, the kind of the first pole lap, I was really surprised for the shootout. Have I got that right? The sprint shootout. Yeah, sprint shootout. Yeah. That, that Lando's pole lap, like it was a, gr- it was great to see him at the top, but oh my goodness, what a messy lap to achieve pole. Um, you know, he, he started off and he was sort of overcorrecting and everything, and once he saw some of the onboards of of Max's and a few of the others, they were all struggling for grip, um, trying to get whether it was tire temperature at the start or they were overusing tires, but it was. It wasn't very clean, and I actually really enjoyed seeing them kind of manhandling the cars around. Having to hustle the cars. I think we've seen that in both the Mexican and this Grand Prix now, yeah. where, where the cars aren't on rails. And it, you're right, it is much better to watch when the cars are moving about. It doesn't matter what category you're watching, if the cars are moving about, you feel like they're actually driving it, and it's a better spectacle. And they, they do feel and look faster when they're doing that. Yeah, know? definitely. So, definitely. Yeah. It's, it's the, yeah, because we have lost a little bit of the agility side of it. Like, you watch the older cars and how darty they were, whereas these yeah. are a little bit more laxed and yeah. cumbersome. For uh, other... Uh, oh, <laughs> on that one. Um, yeah. All right. So uh, on to your next topic, buddy. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I 
need to have some dark glasses, I think. Dark or glasses? Maybe, uh, you know, the monkey. Oh, the, I see nothing. But it, it is time for me to kind of launch off. What the hell were you thinking, Ocon? <laughs> do, you, do you understand there are onboards, there are outside TV cameras. We can all see what happens. Now, let me step back. Ocon obviously was coming through on his lap. Alonso was sitting kind of on the outside of what is turn two or turn three. Turn three. I think it was turn three because okay. he was coming off two because <laughs> you've got the left, the right, then the left again. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and then Ocon came through, lost a little bit. Now, whether he was distracted because Alonso was there on the outside, but lost it and then just ended up tripping straight over Alonso's car. And initially, the first on board that we saw was Alonso, and you can actually see his wheel. He's like, he turns left. And so you're thinking, oh my God, what's happened? Like, why has he turned into Ocon? Then you see the onboard from Ocon's car, losing it, goes through, bang, collects Alonso on the way, destroys the car. <laughs> and then in the interviews afterwards, has the gall, the nerve to say, man, I didn't lose it. It's like, hey, buddy, there's like millions of dollars worth of equipment and cameras sitting around showing you exactly what happened. I know it, and I'm just a chump sitting here in Australia. <laughs> what the hell were you thinking? He wasn't. But <clears throat> we, we know that in, F, in Formula 1, there's egos, and oh. often a lot of them get in the way of actually admitting fault. And in this case, I think Ocon maybe on review will probably see where he went wrong. Yeah, well, I hope he does. I mean, it would be great for him just to go a little bit of accountability and just say, look, heat of the moment. You know, I did lose it a little bit, but he was too close. And I think that's the way we all saw it. That's the way it was adjudicated by the yeah. stewards. Um, Alonso was probably a bit too close, but, you know, he was probably thinking, well, the way I saw it, he was, oh, um, Ocon's going to fly through. I can just come in behind him. But then, yeah, obviously that loss just closed the gap for him. Yeah. Another point is how messy... And it might be for good or bad, but, you know, how messy the sprint weekends are with two qualities and two races, but then you have one less set of tyres to, to navigate. So it really does throw up how people approach the weekends. They don't have their usual running time to get everything perfect with, okay, this set's going to last that long. We've got the tyre strategy perfect. We've got, you know, the height adjustments done. It really does throw up some great curveballs it does to the weekend as yep. much as I don't actually enjoy the sprint weekends it, look uh, although I, did, I, yeah. I enjoy the sprint weekends for all that sort of uh, mayhem we'll go with mayhem it wasn't, wasn't what I was going for but mayhem we'll go with um, I just like the fact that they don't have a lot of time to, to sort it out I do yeah. agree that dropping a set of tyres is not a good option I, I just let them have that, let it run. Um, they're still doing, it's still the same amount of running really, isn't it? Because yeah. you're literally replacing two practices with a, a sprint shootout and yep. then a sprint race. Sprint so race. Just, just keep the tyres the same. Um, and, and that way, yeah, it's, it's a little bit easier. It is messy. I think I said it last week where the sprints don't make as much sense this year as they did last, where, yep. whereby where you finish in the sprint last year would mean where you would start the actual race, and now they're disjointed and something completely separate. Um, so I do agree with you. They, they do need to clean that up, and I think they will. But, um, yeah, it's definitely been a bit of a, a learning year on the sprint front, that's for yeah. sure. I agree. Um, right. And probably the last thing for me, and I'd love to hear sort of your thoughts on it, is 
the sprint first lap winners, Lewis on Sergio and George on Lando. It was great to really see some aggressive, um, you know, probably not less traditional passing and trying to squeeze through at the right moments. Yeah, look, I I much prefer seeing that level of racing. Mm. Um, It... You know, the, we'll get on to the Alonso-Perez battle a little bit later, yeah. but for me, when you don't have DRS and things like that, and you see overtaking being made, like the moves being made, the craft to do it, oh, so much better. So much better. And that doesn't, I mean, I know we have DRS for a reason, but honestly, I think we're almost to a point where we need to review that system and whether we scrap it. Personally, I don't know your view on that, but uh, my view is I'm, I'm pretty much done. We've got the the energy, the battery recovery system, or yep. you know, where they can deploy it. I think that's more than enough to push to pass. I don't think that's what they call it, though. No. Um, but, yeah, I think that's more than enough. We don't need two aids to overtake, in my opinion. Yeah, I think they need to get the aero better, so that is possible. I, I think where you see some of the... the uh, trains that happen because of non-DRS laps, uh-huh. I think you'll find that, that it would become quite boring. So I'd love them to be working more on the aero so that the overtake is, is a more pure, um, you know, more traditional the way it was done, definitely. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I mean, I suppose it's hard when you look at like IndyCar and, and so forth where they're a set car and the aero is not developed by the teams. It's just yeah. a car handed. It's much easier to control all that sort of thing. With yeah. F1, obviously, it's an engineering... Uh, <laughs> 100%. <laughs> so, so basically, they're always trying to make it really difficult to overtake your car, which yeah. you can't blame them for that. So, no. Uh, but yes, it does make it a little bit harder. Um, all right. Oh. I suppose moving along to the biggest of biggest part of the weekend, which was that last lap battle between Alonso and Perez. That actually sort of semi semi started the lap before when, when Perez actually overtook Alonso and everyone thought, Oh, well that's done. Uh, but Wally Coyote. <laughs> yeah. I, I, had, I had flashbacks of Fast and Furious. Yeah. Too soon, Junior. Too I'm soon? Like, like you've got to go on the last lap. You've got to go on the last lap. Too soon. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And um, and Alonso did everything and took so many unconventional lines oh, yeah. to, to, one, I think, keep the air on his wings so that he could stay close to Perez. Yeah. But secondly... I think it put Perez off a bit on some corners and allowed him to stay closer than the, maybe he should, he have, should been. have been. Yeah, correct. And, um, and then, obviously, Alonso, being very smart in the saddle, realised that I'm not going to overtake you on the front straight. And Perez sort of covered thin air. Yeah, he showed the nose just a fraction, <laughs> and it was just enough for Perez to just get a bit offline. Yeah. And then, and then you saw the the through the next turn, Alonso went nice and wide perfect to get the best run, run that he could. Yeah, yeah, absolutely perfect run, and the pass around the outside now DRS assisted, of co- of course, um, but to go deep into that corner and really cover him off before they even got there was was pretty impressive uh, craftsmanship by Alonso as well. Mm. So, uh, and then obviously. They battle all the way through that little middle sector of the lap. Yep, no one's going to pass there. No one's going to pass so there. Just waiting for that technically last corner. Yep, I think second last corner um, officially. Officially, yep. yep, yep. And and then they come out of there, and the gap is big, but we know how quick that Red Bull is in the straight line. 
So I was watching, I'm like, oh, Perez, you're too far behind. I'm like, you, you've lost it. And then, I don't know, it was about about halfway down to the line. <laughs> line you just see him steamrolling. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> and 0.053 of a second across the line. Yeah. Now, the interesting part about that is that where the line is and where the flag is waved are two separate places. Oh, so people thought... People thought Perez had gotten Alonso on the line, but in yep. fact, the line was about 100 metres, or not quite, probably yeah. 50 metres back Four. from that line, and, and it was, yeah, 0 0.053 of a second, and a great last lap battle between the two of them. Yes. All right. And uh, moving on to Oscar Piastri and Daniel Ricciardo. Oh, my God. So, Could you... <laughs> They used to say about Weber that if he didn't have bad luck... He'd have no luck at he'd all. He'd have no luck at all, mm. and... Definitely. My God, I saw it before the commentators did with, with, with Danny Rick's car. Yep. I was like, that bloody tyre. I could not believe <laughs> of all the things that it got flicked up from the other house yeah. and just like Danny's gone, oh, and it was too late. Yep. And then in that whole mix up, Oscar just gets nudged Nailed in the back. In Floor and rear wing. Yeah. Oh my god. Yep. So oh. bad luck to worse for those two. And um, I noticed. So I, I saw Danny, and then I noticed Oscar have a swapper coming through turn two in the yep. background, and I thought, oh no, nah, something's wrong there. Yeah. Because he doesn't have swappers. So I was like, okay, something's gone really drastically wrong. Obviously, got collected. But uh, the other interesting part of this whole situation is they go back around, they all come into the pit lane, it's all red flagged, they push Daniel Ricciardo's car in, they push Oscar Piastri's car in, yep. and they go to fixing the cars, yeah. and they get rectified, but they're a lap down. Yeah, and I didn't catch on to it until they mentioned it, I think it was like the second or third lap in, that they're a lap down, I was like... What? Hang on, I was really trying to work it back in my mind why they lapped down, but it was just that they went straight into the pits, they did yep. that tour of the pit lane and came before back. the red flag. It's yep. like, oh my God, what a what an absolutely shit rule. Because it, it is. When, you, when you look at race results, and you might be able to correct me or maybe, maybe someone else will, <laughs> I thought if a, if a red flag is dropped, don't they normally go back a lap to sort of work out where people were in positions? Yes, so eh, I think when it's concluded, when it's the end of the race, they do that. I think there must be a separate set of rules and I haven't looked into it, so please somebody somebody correct us if we're wrong. But yeah. um, it would seem that if it's under red flag during and it's restarted, then no. It doesn't. It doesn't, doesn't happen. Yeah. So I would agree, I don't think, to be honest, it should've just been red flagged at the start. You could see that Albon's oh. car was an utter mess. Um, debris absolutely covering the whole front straight, so there was it. no chance they were ever going to um, to get that cleared up without a red flag. No, definitely not, definitely not. So at the end result is that both McLaren and AlphaTauri, bravo for getting those cars back on on the grid. But Legendary stuff, yeah. Bit of a waste of time in a sense because they just trundled around the back and couldn't do anything about it. Although I will say that Ricardo's race pacing. Quite good. Yeah, he was matching you know, the top um, top couple of cars yeah. when he had clear air. So it definitely shows that the direction he's taken the team and some of the results that they've now achieved, Achieving, despite yeah. him being a lap down there, 
it, it's showing that the AlphaTauri is actually stepping up, which is great to see. Definitely is, and it bodes well for next year for that team. When you really think about the fact yeah. that they're going to take a little bit more from the Red Bull side and, yeah. and develop it, okay, slightly older, but there's nothing wrong with the Red Bull car this year. So No. As we were. So we, yeah. uh, we look forward to that. All right, so moving on to that crash demo. That crash. That crash. Is that how you're going to just start? <laughs> All right, come on, lay so, on me. I don't know how to go about this. Okay. My feeling is that K-Mag just needs to be a little bit more aware, especially at the start of a race, on positioning of his car. Right? There is a high level chance that you're going to have multiple cars yep. going down into turn one. Why deviate to the right? Especially when your teammate's already there. So you're crowding your teammate, and there's poor old Albon who's got a great start and just sailing down the outside going, oh, this is working well, and suddenly, boom. Neck minute. Neck minute. <laughs> They're just all in the fence. That was a scape saying, They're all in the fence! Oh, <laughs> Do you like justice? No, I think so. I oh, think wait, so. have you got a... I need a... Oh. Yeah, 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 no. Yeah, no. We, haven't got, we haven't got the, uh, the budget for that. We don't have Okay, okay yeah. no worries. Um, now, look, I agree. I, I think he is an aggressive driver, and so he's always wanting to squeeze, push, and I think there are obviously moments he's got enough experience to, to, to be there and to be trying to squash your teammate for one... Yeah. But then not having the wherewithal to say, there's going to be someone on the outside, possibly. There's a reason my teammates, you know, kind of parked a bit more, you know, off the racing line because maybe there's other cars around. Um, and it was, what was really surprising for me was I was expecting him to go straight yeah. because he'd be worried about someone diving on the inside of him. Yeah. And so it didn't didn't make a lot of sense for me why he was squeezing but clearly he must have felt I'm safe on the inside I want more width and just totally absolutely caned his teammate Albon Albon Ricardo Ricardo and Piastri and I think there was a few others that had you know stuff happen sure, but nothing yeah. major but yeah. you know you, you think about just that one poor decision and it just ruined so many people's races. Yeah, and look, I don't know what it is. I'm, I'm beginning to think we need a crew chief, right, for F1 drivers. Now, yep. just the last, what, three races or so, we've had Hamilton send it into Russell on yep. turn one. We've had uh, Perez send it into Leclerc at turn one. And now we've had this incident. So yeah. do we need a crew chief talking to the drivers at the start of a race at least to say three wide? Two wide, one wide, whatever. Like, mm. what do you reckon? It's a great question. It works so well in NASCAR, and, it does. and obviously it is something that. And I think they've got them. Have they got them in IndyCar as well? Or I believe they, they do. Yeah, yeah they do. I think maybe at the ovals, but not yeah. necessarily the road tracks. Um, and so, you know, potentially, I think it's a better outcome if you if you don't have so many crash cars. <laughs> Definitely. Let's let's say we give that the tick of approval. Say even if it's just the engineer, and if it if it's just to call out how many cars are around you. So yeah. you know, on your right, two wide, three wide, whatever it is. Just even if it's not a whole spot of roll, it's something that someone in the team is just telling the the driver who's there, so they can yeah. just hear it. They don't have to respond. 
I, I think I think, I think it can work. I, I think well, it can, and I think you know it can fall to the engineer. Like the engineer's got contact with the driver, so just at the start of the race, he can he can make that call and and tell them when they're three wide or what's going on. And it yeah. really it is obviously down to turn one, two. After that, they sort of filter out, and it's fine. But it's fine. It, it's it's definitely that little just that start particularly that's a problem. Obviously with NASCAR and IndyCar and that when they're on ovals, they're always two there's or three wide, so there's always stuff happening. So you need it constantly. But yeah, just that start. I think that'll be a really good implementation just to to help that sort of scenario, so that we just have mm. less crash cars and less victims out of nobody's well their fault but not the people that get taken out yeah true uh so yeah just uh yeah that that was one thing i wanted to bring up so on to my last point from this weekend and that's crowd control we've had this pop up a couple of times demo right here in australia as a matter of fact we had it as an issue when the cars are still on track which is what's considered a live track people jumping the fence to get down to the podium. Crazy. It's, it's always a bit crazy. The Brazilian, the Mexico Grand Prix, there's always a bit of craziness that happens with the crowd. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I couldn't believe it. There was footage that sort of came out where they had people that organized to have ladders to try and scale fences and stuff. Yeah. So premeditated, they were always going to do it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just having, having cars on the track, we've seen so many you know, bad incidences from the 70s, the 60s, where yeah. things, like, go really, really wrong. Yep. And I thought, you know, as a crowd, I thought F1 people were better than that, but maybe maybe they're not. So I'm, I'm going to bring in something here, and this might cause a bit of hate for us, oh, yeah. but uh, the drive-to-survive crowd. Ooh. Is it the drive-to-survive crowd that are doing this? Because we haven't had it. Previously, or not, not for a long, long, long time. time, right? And it does just feel like, and I, like, I, I can't, that's a bit of a rash generalisation, but definitely seems to be a new crowd whereby they think they can just jump on the track whenever they like and put themselves and others in danger. I mean, the Australian GP, we still had a live car, which was Magnuson's car on the side of the road. Yep. And people are jumping fence. Now, if they touch that car, they can potentially get electrocuted, all sorts of things. And we just, you know, it is a safety thing. So yeah. Yeah, I think we just need to be better as individuals and, and uh, race fans, just be a bit better and be a little bit more considerate of everything else. Because imagine you're driving your F1 car and suddenly some bloke jumps in front of the car and you collect him. That's, that's pretty damaging psychologically for, for the driver, let alone the person that will cop suffer the injuries. Suffer the injuries. So we just want to protect everybody in this instant. And I think we, I don't know what the FIA can do about it, but we, we do need to do something. Yeah. And I think going back to your drive to survive, it's, I love that it's increased all the interest and there's more people following it and it's no longer, I sort of felt like, especially in the 90s and 2000s, it was kind of a niche thing to follow. Yeah. And now that, that bubble's kind of burst. But you're right, it does bring with it um, a, you know, a level of fan that probably doesn't know the intricacies of motorsport. Yeah. And it'll be hard to pin it or to associate that that's the actual reason, but it's certainly there's some... There's some influence there that possibly it could be. 
we just need to, yeah, just be better. That's all I'm going to say. I'll leave it at that. Be better. Be better. <laughs> Do better. All right. So moving on to results, Damien. Yes. So we had some predictions last week, Damien. Well, predictions is a very interesting word. Hmm. It was certainly a shot in the dark because uh, <laughs> I'm not sure we did that well. Oh, I did all right, I think. Okay. <laughs> not great, but I, I did do too well. <laughs> I definitely did not do well. Yes. So one thing we also realized is that we did a sprint shootout and a sprint race, but we forgot to do the race. So just in case you wanted to know, I did have the race result prediction correct. Oh, good. Yeah. yeah. yeah not that yeah. no one left. So did I. So yeah, did I. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Fancy that. The are out of nowhere. Yeah. Didn't see it happening, but I, I did. Yes. I did. Crystal ball. So, um, so yeah, I guess the, the predictions... We both had Hamilton in first for we the did. sprint shootout. We had Verstappen second, and I had Russell, and you had Norris in third. Yes. And yes. the actual result for that uh, that quality sprint shootout was? It was Norris in first. Uh, well done. Well done. And uh, Verstappen in second, and Perez in third. Sorry. So uh, other than Norris, I think we and Verstappen, that's, yeah. that's about where it was <laughs> yeah. we, we weren't anywhere with the Hamilton apparently Mercedes couldn't turn on their floor so yeah which was bizarre <laughs> given that they did so well the year before you would expect them to be pretty good but it would. Uh, they it were would. well not P nowhere but um, Hamilton fifth and then uh, Russell was in fourth so yeah that's it that's but it. then that was about their best result I think so I, I think yeah I think so so uh, and then moving on obviously to the sprint race demo yep I uh I did reasonably well out of this. I, uh, I predicted go. Verstappen for the win. Yep. Thank you. Yes, yes. Well, Norris well done, well done. in P2. Got that one too. Uh, but I failed dismally with third place because Hamilton finished seventh. Yes, <laughs> yes. And so I had Verstappen. Yeah. So I had Hamilton, yep. Verstappen yep. and Norris. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess I, uh, I'll need to sharpen up on um, predictions for Vegas, I guess. Because I, I, I think so, but I don't know who, how you're going to pick Vegas. It's going to be almost impossible. Yeah, I mean, you just have to go off current form because w with no history, no one's been there. No. Nah. Um, I saw a great meme of Oscar Piastri with a sad face going, you know, Another new track next ne next round, yeah. and then the bottom one was him smiling, going "new track for everyone." everyone. <laughs> um, so I really hope that you know that ho hopefully will mix up um, a little bit of the result. Yeah. It'll be hard to know, but yeah, you know, it'll be hard to go past a, a Red Bull uh, um, up the top. But yeah, for, for sure, I think Max will probably continue on his merry way as we always predict. But um, yeah. at the same time, it'll be nice to see maybe some others sort of mixing it as well so Norris has been pretty feisty recently so maybe yeah. maybe we can get a bit of a surprise outcome and Ooh. maybe he can Ooh. stop being the, the bride mate he's going to be the bride he might be the bride who knows Ooh. who knows I, I definitely feel like he's deserved it um, yeah yeah definitely. I know that Max is never going to give it to anybody no. um, but um, yeah it, it would be it would definitely be worth um, worth a win there because he's yeah. just been so so solid well, he's, he's got his own record now true <laughs> most podiums without a win 
Sad face. <laughs> Sorry, Lando. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We do love you, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, you get a get a win soon. Get a win you, soon. You're definitely deserving. Your last sort of five races have been oh, spectacular. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm sure it's coming around the corner. It is. And uh, yeah, so I think that probably wraps it up for that this one, David. That wraps up the Brazilian Grand Prix review. Yeah. Um, yeah, so stay connected with us on socials. Yeah. And, um, you know, we'll be putting more content out. Obviously, in the lead up to Vegas, we'll have another one. Yes, um, definitely. Definitely. But yeah, we will, uh, we will see you in on the next, next episode. episode. All right, Thanks. guys. Thanks Bye. for tuning in. Bye.